beautiful people. This is episode 20 of Banter Motivation. I am Yamide. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone. We made it to the end of 2020. Can you believe it? Everyone deserves greetings for that. This year has been one for the books. I don't want to be negative, but if I never see another 2020 again, I will be happier for it. How are you guys doing? How are you celebrating? How did you enjoy your Christmas holidays? How are you preparing for the new year? Did you travel? Are you just home? Are you working? Did you join all those people that did the pajamas, matching pajamas in front of a Christmas tree? (laughs) I don't know if you guys planned it, but it seemed to be everywhere on social media, literally Christmas morning. And if you didn't have one, wahala for you. I didn't even have a Christmas tree, but... Quiet Christmas, grateful nonetheless. We only have a few hours left in 2020, guys. I'm excited. Also kind of apprehensive, right? Because 2020 was literally the most looked forward to year. Such a letdown and disappointment. But I really believe 2021 will be different, right? So that's what the excitement is about. The apprehension is just... mm, A few days ago, they're talking about they found another strain of COVID that's even worse. In South Africa, and then we heard it was in the UK. Now they're saying it's in Colorado. So I'm holding my breath, really hoping, praying, looking forward to 2021 being amazing and hoping that COVID just dies off. I know it's not realistic, but anyway, the countdown is on. End of the year, though, is usually a mix of good tidings and bad news, right? A lot of African people, a lot of Nigerian people usually say the ember months, right? So September... November, December usually are difficult months. A lot of things happen spiritually, bad things, evil things. Be cautious, be prayerful. Um, I've always found that to be somewhat true, right? I don't know if it's just the end of the year, you know, things happen or if there's something to do with Ember Month's theory. This year, sadly is no different so this episode is actually going to be pretty heavy just taking a look at some of the things that have happened even just in this month of december that have been really sad really crazy really scary but in all that give us reason to be grateful right i know a lot of people are saying 2020 was my worst year i had all these plans all these dreams i had to cancel my wedding i lost my job i graduated and you know i couldn't even attend the graduation and i haven't been able to find a job or supposed to move or I was supposed to start a business or just whatever it is, right? We're thinking this has been the worst year. But guess what? You're still alive. So many people who made it to the last month and didn't even make it till the last day. Sadly, there are people who, as we're listening to this now, are alive, but they're still not going to see 2021, even though we're so close, like we're within arm's reach, right? So these stories are not meant to depress you. They are just meant to highlight to you what is going on, to give you an idea of what other people are going through and some unfortunate things that happened and really to help you put things into perspective, knowing, hey, it's not by my power or my grace or anything special that I did that I'm still alive. So I need to be grateful. It's also a challenge going into 2021. If anything, 2020 has taught me is look for the good in everything. As bad as it may seem, as horrible as it may seem, as stressful, as out of your plans, as, you know, whatever you want to call it, look for the good in everything. So let's jump right in. First story, literally just ridiculous. But anyway, 
Sophia Lane, who is Vanessa Bryant's mom, right? Vanessa Bryant is Kobe Bryant's widow. Of course, we all know what happened. This was pretty much how the year started. And literally, that was kind of the first bad, major bad thing that happened. And then COVID and then everything else, right? So end of January, we heard Kobe was in a helicopter crash. He died. His daughter died. You know, different reports. When I heard it at first, I thought it was a rumor. Nigerian people know. Before someone dies in real life, people have killed them. So, so many times we heard Nelson Mandela died and then he's not really dead. Prince of this place died, he's not really dead. Remember in high school, people said, oh, Westlife died in a helicopter crash and people were crying and all of that was a rumor. So we just always hear people die from time to time. And I thought it was one of those, like someone just started a rumor. And of course, all the news outlets were carrying it and everyone was trying to find out, trying to confirm. And then we heard he wasn't alone. His entire family was there. And then we had, no, his daughter. So we couldn't, you know, eventually it turns out, you know, he and his daughter were there. Some of their friends, I think about nine people or 12 people. I don't remember the exact number in total that died. It was really horrible, really sad, really shook the world. There was a lot of mourning. People that didn't even, of course, know him personally, but knew him through the sport. And just even people who were parents. So just as a human being, right, that empathy, trying to figure out how his wife was doing, how she could possibly survive this. It was just a lot. So you would think with all that, right, of course, it hasn't been up to a year and probably because COVID happened, that kind of took the attention away from that. But in their own private place, they're still mourning. It was a lot of first, you know, this daughter's first birthday without the dad, first Valentine's Day, first birthday, first Mother's Day, first, you know, things like that. Right. So it has been a struggle. And I don't know how his wife is doing in private, but at least publicly when she releases statements here, there's some pictures and videos I've seen. She's really doing a great job. She's been so strong and Happy to see her, you know, smile and laugh and, you know, go on vacation with her kids and at least try to give them a semblance of normal life and kind of moving on slowly. So to my shock and disgust, I see that her mom has filed a lawsuit, you know, against her. And I'm like, okay, about what was going on? Anyway, her mom is 68, right? And if you followed the family for a while, a lot of pictures like Kobe's last game and other places they've been vacations, you see the mom there. So get the idea that it's a close-knit family, her mom is involved, you know. She got married to Kobe when she was really young, they've been together for so long. Mom is part and parcel of the family. Anyway, the mom claims that she was an unpaid assistant, right? She was babysitting the kids for the last 18 years, up to 12 hours a day. She was never paid a dime. Now she wants to get paid $96 an hour as back pay. First of all, I'm not a high roller, and maybe that's why the number sounds outrageous to me, but who pays a babysitter $96 an hour? Really? Babysitting that high school students do for, I don't know, 10 bucks, 12, 15. Let's even say $20 an hour is okay. You got someone who had experience and maybe knew CPR and was a bit older. Let's even assume I've never heard $30 an hour. Like I said, I'm not a high roller, so I don't know. So I'm trying to figure out how she came up with that amount, $96 an hour. Sis, what <laughs> what are you babysitting? It would have cost her less to get a full-time nanny or multiple full-time nannies. You know what I mean? So I don't know how she came up with that number. If that's how much celebrities charge or people who babysit celebrities, children. I don't know if that's a going rate. I don't know how she came up with that number because she says $96 an hour for the past 18 years. It's not like, okay, 18 years ago, it was $50 an hour. And literally, maybe she just took the average. In total, she's asking for $5 million, a house, and a Mercedes SUV. Very specific. It makes you wonder what is going on, right? I understand that you're not obligated to take care of your grandkids. 
if you want to get paid for it, then you should say, I want to get paid. I've seen people write on forums online. Hey, my mom wants me to pay her to take care of my kids. And people saying, well, if you're going to pay a stranger, why can't you pay your mom? So I don't have a problem with that or with that aspect. My issue is if that wasn't the agreement, why now? Why did you just all of a sudden realize it's like breaking up with someone and then you realize, you know what? You did this or you didn't do that. You didn't do, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to, it wasn't a problem when quote unquote, everything was fine and you guys were together. And then all of a sudden now just to be mean or to be wicked or to be petty or bail to show, you know, that I can hit you where it hurts. You do something like that. Right. So that's the vibe I'm getting. But Vanessa insists that that wasn't even the case. Like once in a while, her mom might have babysat her kids. Right. So she had the two kids and then it was a long spell of you know no babies and then she had the last two pretty close together so she was like the first two years when they were a bit younger my mom probably babysat for us here there nothing constant nothing like the 12 hours every day she's talking about certainly not for 18 years straight we took care of our kids ourselves we had you know professional help where is this coming from so that's a huge question now i say he said she said you know then the mom also says that kobe promised to take care of her for life but now that he's dead, Vanessa is not living up to that. A promise is really just that. It's a promise. It wasn't a contract signed. It wasn't something I was owed. It wasn't a, I gave him my kidney and in return, he said he'll pay me, you know, 5000 a month for life. If he promised you that, I don't know. Vanessa says that's a lie that never happened. Maybe that was the, what's the word, assumption that, okay, if my daughter is married to someone who is making so much money, then of course he'll take care of me, you know. Every family has how the way they like to do their things or how it's been arranged. So the mom claims that was the promise. Vanessa said it's a lie. Let's assume that really was the promise. Kobe is dead now. You can't hold her to a promise that her husband made. It wasn't a family agreement. It wasn't anything written. It wasn't anything planned. He didn't set up any direct deposits like every month you get this. So it's really a he said this and there's no proof of it because he's dead. Once again, even if we did promise you that, He's dead now. You can't hold, you know, it's like someone saying, I promise to love you forever and they die and then you're getting mad, right? What they promised you died with them, unfortunately, right? So I don't know what angle she's trying to come with that. Anyway, this is not even the first time. So after Kobe died, not long after she came on, I think Univision, one of these Hispanic um, TV stations and gave an interview where she was crying and saying how her daughter is not taking care of her and her daughter asked her to move out of the house where she was staying which was I think one of their properties which is Vanessa and Kobe's properties and the daughter said that's not really the whole story she's telling it to make me look bad actually trying to find her another place to stay and you know that was kind of in the middle of everything I don't know the details but it looks like everything is not fine and dandy hunky-dory between she and her mom because remember this is her mom not even Kobe's mom and even when Kobe was having issues with his family, he was still very close to her mom. You know, she and her mom, they were all close. So I don't know what it is that's now going on. She claims her mom is trying, you know, money grab. She's all about the money. She's always about the money. And the fact that she has put her foot down and not allowed herself to be bullied or to fall into that threat of, if you don't do this, I'll go to the public or to the press. Her mom is now, you know, pressing her neck and trying to do even more. So... She feels it's a betrayal. I see it as a betrayal as well, because regardless of what's going on inside, for someone who went through something so horrible and traumatic, and like I said, it's not even a year, like all this is still new and still fresh. Mind you, she had a little baby when this happened, a child that wasn't even up to one. So imagine losing your husband, losing your child, trying to raise a baby, trying to comfort your other daughters. All of a sudden, now you're in charge of everything, trying to figure out the estate and just understand what really happened to you. Then COVID happens. It's a lot for someone to deal with, right? Imagine someone who just loses one member of their family, how difficult it is, then to lose two, then to lose them in this year, 2020, with everything it has brought. Certainly, 
something unprecedented. So I feel even if she erred or she did things her mom didn't like, or you should give her that leeway of, you know what, she's going through a lot. Let me kind of wait and see. Shouldn't be so quick to go and call her out in the news or, you know, media. And Vanessa was even saying what was shocking was after a while, her mom even stopped responding or trying to communicate with her. She was now using third parties or lawyers. or So it really became very official quickly. So that makes her motives now shaky, right? She's saying these are false and absurd claims and she doesn't understand what's going on. Mind you, it's not like her mom is poor and has no source of income and all of that, right? Her parents, which is Vanessa's parents, divorced in 2004 and her mom won spousal support from her dad, which she's still collecting. So that means that her needs are still being met till date. That was 2004 till now. So it's been, what, 16 years? So that's what Vanessa is saying, like, you're getting money from this man, and then you still also want to be getting money from me, right? Which if I want to give you anything, I will give you something. But it's not for you to demand, this is where I have to live. This is what you have to give me. This is what you have to do or else. So it almost seems now like it's an MO, like this is how I operate or this is how I do my thing. Or if I don't get my way, I go crazy, you know, whatever the case may be. So I feel as a mom, it's really insensitive for her to have this reaction. And once again, like I said, I don't know the details of what's happening. It's not something that is owed to you. So the worst case is, well, I can't believe my daughter is treating me like trash. But you leave it and you let it go and you walk away. If you want to break contact, if you want to, whatever the case may be. And then hopefully with time, after the morning and stuff, or she's a bit better, you can try again, reach out, get maybe other family members to, you know, hope and pray that she softens her heart and welcomes you back in and you guys go back to being a happy family. But if instead it's say, I'm entitled to, I'm entitled to, then... I don't know what that says about her. So anyway, that's going on. Very disappointing, very shocking, but that's the news on that. I don't know what you guys think about it. Do you think her mom is entitled to any pay? So different scenarios, right? One, she did babysit for 12 hours a day for 18 years. Is she entitled to any back pay if that was not agreed on before? If she is, is that amount realistic or reasonable? Like really $96 an hour? That's one. Two, if she's making it up and she's just trying to be mean or vengeful because she feels entitled to the fact, okay, if my daughter has all this money or all these resources, I should be living a certain life in a certain way and nobody should tell me otherwise. What do you guys think? Is she being petty? Is she being wicked? Does she have a case? You know, is Vanessa was Vanessa abusing her mom by using her for free labor without paying her? Because so the mom has always lived in their properties. Even for the past, you know, 16 years since she divorced from her husband, she's always lived in one of their properties, gone on vacations with them. They've bought her stuff, taking care of her. So whatever money she was getting from her husband for alimony was just going, I guess, into her savings or whatever else she wanted to use it for, right? What's your opinion on that? Next story now is not a happy one at all. So December 17th, my friend sent me a link saying, you know, hey, what's going on? This year is really crazy, you know, and it was a GoFundMe link. I looked at it and, you know, it hit me because the girl's name was Stephanie. I was like, oh my God, wow, okay. And she was in Texas and the GoFundMe says, you know, she has stage four liver and colon cancer. She's someone who was young and vibrant, right? The picture they used was her. She's a dental student at Howard University. So just standing in front of the school, smiling, happy, full of life. And then you read the story about the cancer and everything and you scroll down and the picture of her now, my goodness. The whole time I'm thinking, is this a How? Literally bones and skin. I kid you not. You could see all her bones, ribs, every single thing. So frail, so 
And man, tears. I was just like, what happened? It turns out, I guess last year or something, she was diagnosed with cancer. She took time off school to go, you know, get treatment, chemo, radiation, all different things that he kept trying. And after about a year, I guess they were like, well, nothing's really working or helping. There's some experimental stuff that they could try, but insurance won't cover it. And if you know anything about healthcare in America, even with insurance, a lot of times you're out of pocket. It's crazy when you have something long term and you require a lot of hospitalization. So anything that is not covered by insurance, of course, is crazy, right? This is American hospital system that if you go into the hospital, you know, usual like painkillers, Tylenol and stuff that you can buy a whole bottle for, let's say, 100 pills for $12.99. In the hospital, they will give you one Tylenol, like just one singular pill, and it will be charged at $500, right? So I think a lot of these ridiculous rates are because of insurance, and they go back and forth and kind of settle on something. But if you're paying out of pocket, unfortunately, a lot of times you now still have to pay those outrageous fees. So they were saying pretty much they needed money to be raised to help her pay for the cost of those out-of-pocket treatments and, you know, just prayers and supports. So, of course, a lot of people were, they were trying to raise $75,000. So, of course, a lot of people were touched or moved. People were dropping prayers, donating, sharing. You know, I shared on my WhatsApp. I told, you know, people in other groups and stuff as well. Said a prayer, hoping and praying, you know, it would be one of those things where she gets better and she can come back and say, hey, this is what happened to me and this was my experience and all of that. But it really, really just made me feel, wow, this is someone who is young, younger than me, I believe. And this came from nowhere, right? There wasn't anything she did. It wasn't like, hey, oh, I went out and played in the rain and that's why I got pneumonia. No, it literally was. She was living her life, trying to achieve things, getting to her goals, working hard, graduated from her first degree, you know, applying to dental school, getting in, starting, and then this just happens. So anyway, this was 17th of December. On the 18th, I go to check, okay, what's the progress of the GoFundMe? Hopefully they've been able to raise, you know, the amount of money that they were hoping for and... I see an update saying, you know, she passed away. I'm like, wait, what? So she passed away on the 18th, right? So I think this was already late in the night, you know, whatever. And it just really, really just, it hit me because I said, wow, this could have been anybody. Could have been me, could have been my sibling, could have been my friend, my cousin. Like she literally was just living her life, trying to achieve her dreams, make her goals come to life working hard, you know, probably just, and a lot of people were leaving comments, you know, I met you at church. I remember when I met you at church, you were such a nice person when I met you. I remember when we were in school together, the testimonials and the comments were good. So this, by all indications, was a good person, decent person, living her life, making an impact, touching, you know, the lives of those around her, just trying to do good, really, and become something. And from nowhere, this cancer just came, ravaged her body, literally just Honestly, both, I'm just, I don't know what to say. Looking at the pictures, you couldn't tell they was the same person. Like if I just randomly seen that picture, I would even, I would have thought it was just an old woman who was sick and, you know, clearly was probably dying or something. So I don't even want to imagine how her family and friends felt watching her deteriorate slowly, knowing maybe not much to be done. I don't even know how she felt, if she gave up, if she was hopeful. Honestly, maybe all the pain and just asking God why. So... She passed on, even though the GoFundMe raised, you know, they got to 125K, perhaps something. I mean, they, they, they went far above their target, but she died, you know? 
So I know they were still going to use the money for like hospital bills and funerals and just putting her affairs in order. But it's never easy when parents have to bury their child or siblings or friends or, you know, someone who was so young and supposed to have so much life in them and just full of promise and was just gone, you know, really, really shook me, humbled me because I'm like, man, like I said, that could be anybody. We take for granted that you just wake up in the morning, you walk out of the house, you complain, oh, what am I going to eat? I had cereal yesterday. I don't feel like oatmeal. I don't like bananas and I don't have apples. You know, we're just going about just living as if it's our right. And this is what's happening to other people around us. Like sometimes, you know, you're so much in your own shell or bubble that you don't think beyond yourself. You don't consider, hey, you know what, this is a privilege, right? We're more focused on what's not going right and how this is not happening the way we want it to. And we're so tired of COVID and being home. I wish I could go out. I wish I was in Nigeria for 30 December. I wish I could go on vacation. I wish I could go out you know, to a restaurant. I couldn't celebrate my birthday. All valid, right? All valid. But in the grand scheme of things, irrelevant. Because if you were not alive, none of that would be an issue, right? If you had a family member who was sick and dying, none of that would be an issue. Your focus would be on something totally different, you know? So... That was a an eye-opener. Like I said, that was December 18th, like literally, what, two weeks to the end of the year. So very sad and unfortunate. And then this literally was around the same time I heard about another story or maybe, you know, kind of a few days in between. Um, Dr. Ijoma Idarisit, she's in Nigeria. Her maiden name is Ejekam. And young, you know, when you see her pictures, young, beautiful, smart, because she was a medical doctor. And she was a director of Postpartum Network Africa. So she was very active on social media as far as, you know, talking about medical stuff and women, childbirth, advice, those kind of people, you know, that are active, giving information and their page is just full of a lot of stuff. She was doing a lot of collaborations with other doctors. She was just passionate, you could see, about medicine and helping women and helping people in general, especially black women, African women, people in Nigeria, all of that. And she had two kids, right? So both, you know, one was a baby, the other one was a toddler. And apparently she was putting them to bed in some part of the house. A fire broke out. She couldn't get out or they couldn't get out. Nobody could get in because of how quickly the fire, you know, started and how much it was raging. Um, it took a while trying to get her out. They called fire service. By the time the fire service finally came, 20 minutes too late, she was gone with her two children just like that wasn't sick wasn't in an accident nothing 100 percent fine just going about her normal day out of her control it wasn't like she was cooking and she forgot you know something it wasn't like she was using a candle an electrical device so maybe like an air conditioner or just something else right and Nigerian people know when power goes out, things, you know, equipments and appliances get spoiled a lot. They are not built for stuff like that. So when power goes out, comes back, goes out, comes back, sometimes there's fluctuations where you have like half current, sometimes there's just a surge. One of those kind of things I'm guessing probably over time and that equipment malfunctioned and literally was just a boom fire and they were gone. I really, really prayed when I heard this story. I'm like, I pray they were asleep. Because I cannot imagine being awake, being aware, seeing this fire, not being able to do anything, maybe getting burnt. You know, I know you hear of smoke inhalation a lot. That's what a lot of people die from. But it's still an uncomfortable thing, right? You know that you're that. You know, I don't want to get into it, really. It's just, it's too much. And I don't want to be too graphic. But 
I was just, that's all I was thinking of. That's all I could pray about. Once again, this could be anybody, right? And a lot of times when you hear about Africa or Nigeria, you think, oh, poor people, suffering, hungry. But by all indications, she was someone who was comfortable and doing well. She lived in Parkview, and Parkview is really one of the top places you could live in Lagos, one of the highbrow areas, upscale areas, you know, wealthy people live there. So it wasn't even a case of, you know, she didn't have access. But when this fire came, the money didn't mean anything. The status in life didn't mean anything. Literally, the fire just started, and that was it. I heard her daughter was supposed to turn one on Christmas Day. This was, you know, just like I said, a baby. So sad. I mean, I can't even imagine the husband. You lost your wife and two children. I can't imagine her parents losing their child and their two grandkids. I can't imagine her siblings. And when I saw her, I was like, whoa, she looks familiar, but I don't know if I know her. She looks like someone I know. I kept trying to remember. And then when I saw her maiden name, I'm like, oh my goodness, I know her sister from, you know, growing up primary school, extracurricular lessons and stuff like that. And I'm just thinking, wow, like, this is someone I know, like, this is her sister. Really, really just... Once again, made me think, wow, so close to the end of the year. She's probably counting down to her daughter's first birthday. I mean, Nigeria, your child's first birthday is such a big deal. Probably planning, oh, this theme, that theme. Even with COVID, right, it might have just been a family thing. But the excitement of end of the year, Christmas. You know how we saw people on Christmas Day in matching pajamas and stuff? For all we know, she already ordered all that stuff too, you know? We're going to do all this for Christmas and cook this and do this and do... And literally... In a matter of, because it takes what minutes for these things to happen. Her life was ended, stopped, halted, not planned, not prepared, just like that. Shook me because she's 36. That is young. Like, life is just starting. You're just coming into your own. You've had kids, you, you know, your career, other things that you're doing, plans that you have, all gone. Wow. Honestly, I'm just like, it's not like people don't die every day, but maybe because of all that has happened in 2020, this is literally just the end. I think for me, it just feels like it's too much. Like we didn't need all this in 2020. Literally 2020 has been the year where I'll take anything good I see, right? No matter how small. So when things like this are happening, it's like you survive COVID, you survive, you know, so many other things that have happened, NSAS protests, Black Lives Matter movement, this and this and that, like, and then you get to the very end and boom, you know? So that was another just really putting things into perspective thing that happened. And I'm just like, wow, you know? So even when we're saying, hey, Christmas is dull this year. I didn't really get to be with family and friends. I didn't get any gifts. Some people are in full mourning. Like, our family can't celebrate Christmas. There's no way. Especially the fact that, okay, that would have been the baby's birthday, right? Real full just a horrible time, you know? So uh, I pray that God gives them strength because I don't even want to imagine what they would be going through, what they'll be thinking, how they will be trying to process it, you know, what their mental state is like, their physical state, you know? So say a prayer for them that God just uplifts them and, you know, as unimaginable as this thing is, he helps them, you know, remember the good times, remember happy memories and moments and just, you know, stay alive. Next story. Honestly, this one for me is really, really difficult. I think the last two, three days I've been not myself because of it. I cried when I heard it. I just really cried, you know. So Renoir Giwamu, um, 
few months ago, I would say maybe in September or thereabouts, I'm not sure, she posted on Facebook this open letter and it was very, very, you know, wow, jaw dropping. She said her dad, who now apparently is a pastor, was molesting her at a young age when she was a child from the age of seven. She said she ended up getting sepsis from it, you know, just all kinds of horrible, ugly things that happened. Said how her dad was, I guess, moving drugs or selling drugs or, you know, something like that. How her dad had made an attempt on her mom's life, you know, just all kinds of things. And how dad had threatened she and her siblings, I guess, saying, you know, they shouldn't come back to Nigeria because she was based in America. And just, you know, just all kinds of things that, wow, this is not a movie, this is real life. And saying, you know, people should investigate her dad and get the FBI involved. And her dad used to have him a travel summer trip for kids, you know, French, go to different countries, immersion program, all of that. And she was saying a lot of those kids that were put in his care, he would also molest and said how a lot of her friends didn't really like coming to her house because her dad would try to like touch them and, you know, do all this funny stuff. So of course, when I heard it at first, it was like, wait, what? Because she went to the same primary school, should I say elementary school, as I did. She wasn't in my year. She was my junior, but still, you know, everybody knows everybody. She had other siblings who were, you know, that kind of thing. And her parents were very active. Her dad was very active in parent-teacher associations and, you know, into house sports, sports days, school concerts, just all kinds of different things we would have. So literally, I can see her dad's face when I'm talking. Like, it was one of those things. So I'm thinking, wow, really? And that really was what I remember. I remember those trips, you know. I remember even wanting to go on one of them. My dad was like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> if we're traveling, we're traveling as a family kind of thing. But I always think, oh, these people are having so much fun. Imagine, you know, going on the trips with your friends and doing this and doing that. And so I started thinking, wait, what? He was doing this to these people? How is he getting away with it? What is this about? And of course, there were mixed reactions where people were like, wow, this is really crazy. Like, She's either really crazy and making up all this stuff or, wow, mind-blowing, this man is a full-blown monster. And one of the popular blogs, one of the popular Nigerian bloggers, Linda Ikeji, put it up and then took it down. I don't know why. You know, a lot of times it's maybe whoever the person is has reached out or, you know, says I'm going to sue you or pays money or whatever the case, she took it down. So, of course, a lot of people in my circle were talking about it because, like I said, we went to primary school with her and it's someone who you know and you know the parents. It's not, you know, surprise or a secret or someone far off, right? So it made it very well. Like, you hear stories like this, but you never think it will be anyone you know or anybody that you knew. So we talked about it a lot and I'm like, there's so much detail. I feel like there's at least some truth to it. I believe her. Let me just state that I believe her. Not, not everybody does, but I believe her. And I said, okay, I'm sure there's some truth to this. Why would she just come out and say all this crazy stuff and say, you know, even her sisters were not exempt and this happened and that happened. The issue, I won't say an issue, but something that a lot of people raised were her sisters didn't come out to corroborate her story and say, yes, this is true. But they also didn't come out to deny it either, right? So I'm thinking, okay, if my sister came out and said, hey, my dad did this and this and this and that, and it wasn't true, I would come out and say, this girl is crazy. This never happened. You see what I mean? But if it's something so scandalous, I mean, incest, you're, I mean, molesting your own seven-year-old daughter, that's horrible and that's ridiculous. If you try, if you did that to the other daughters, right? The kind of society Nigeria is, the kind of place Africa is, that's not something you come out and see. All the women who have come out to say they were raped or molested or harassed by men, you know, in power, politicians, pastors, you know, school teachers, athletes, whoever, you name it, were bashed were called names, were dragged, where, you know, all kinds of things happened, right? 
and hardly ever does it work out for them. They're not prosecuted. Nothing is done. The woman has just exposed herself. She becomes kind of blacklisted and that's that, right? So I would see why the sisters wouldn't have wanted to come out and corroborate her story, right? You know, one of them is married. The other one, you know, is a doctor. I think they're both doctors, actually, but one is married. So for her, it probably might have been a, it's not worth it, right? The way African culture, the way Nigerian culture is just hide everything, bury, forget about it, move on. I know they weren't in contact with their dad, so they have an estranged relationship. So obviously something was wrong. Something did happen to where they felt, we don't want this man in our life anymore. He had a really horrible divorce from the mom, which was, you know, kind of later in life thing. And apparently as his daughter said, even tried to assassinate her or have her killed or, you know, what, what have you. So things of course were very tense. And in general, I don't get the idea he's a great person. So, but that's different from sexually abusing your child, right? So like I said, it could be for the other daughters. It just felt it's not worth it. I don't want to put myself through that or maybe put my family or... Nigeria is a weird place. Africa is a weird place. People can use that as a reason to not want to get married to you or have anything to do with you because you have this stain or this scandal. or you know. So this could be any number of reasons, right? Why her sisters didn't come out to corroborate her story or say it was true or whatnot. But for me, the fact they didn't deny it was a stronger indication of, you know what, this says a lot, you know? So anyway... All of that, all of that, posting, and of course, people just kind of ridiculed it, laughed, called it all kinds of names, said, you know, whatever. Then she posted a video, but it was more of an audio or recording, when she was speaking to her mom, and her mom was saying, you know, why are you posting all these things on social media? And, you know, it's all this cuddling and babying that's making you like this, you know, grow up. When I was your age, I had two kids, and I was about to have a third one. Show that you're an adult, get yourself together, all of that. She didn't exactly say, no, your dad didn't rape you or anything like that, right? So I don't know what exactly she was referring to. So I'll backtrack a little bit. She put a GoFundMe up. Unfortunately for her, she got married to someone who was abusive, right? I think physically abusive. I don't know about sexually. Physically abusive. And it was someone she had known from the age of 15 because they went to sister school. So she went to Lagoon School for girls. She was a Catholic school in Lagos. And he went to White Sands School, which was kind of the brother's school, you know, both Catholic schools, close. And... So someone you know, right? So he is Nigerian, but was born in the U.S. So I don't know if they started dating in Nigeria, were just friends in Nigeria. And then when she came for college, they started dating. I don't know what the details are, but she ended up marrying him after college. And he was abusing her. So even on the internet, you know, you can see that she took out a restraining order, domestic violence order protection. They went to court. She was in the middle of a divorce. I think he was filing immigration paperwork and stuff for her. So there's also some immigration-related stuff. And it was just a lot. And she's an artist, so she had the GoFundMe pretty much saying, help a struggling black artist, you know, I don't want to get evicted from my studio, this is where I do my work, this is where I live, in the middle of a divorce, I need, you know, legal help and stuff as well. I was under my mom's sponsorship, but really I was having to work so many jobs while I was in school, I paid my taxes, you know, pretty much the usual, you know, just help me out. So I'm guessing that's what her mom wasn't happy about, and telling her, you know, why are you saying this? Because it makes it look like, right, you don't have a family, your family don't care, and you are just by yourself hustling and struggling and all these things are happening. Also remember that in any society, but mostly, you know, black people, African people, Nigerian people, reputation says a lot, right? Even if everything is horrible, you want to put up a good font. When I talked about, I remember the last episode, I talked about domestic violence and things like that. They want you to pretend like everything is fine. Everything is okay. Don't let the world know. This happens to everybody. You know, the first person, you know, chin up and bear it. Be an adult about it. Stop whining. We also look down mental health issues. So the mom was saying, well, go see your therapist or, you know, something about don't let your therapist. Almost like, you know, she 
Reno actually said it like I used like you're using that to insult me. It's like an insult, right? The fact that I'm seeing a therapist. And she asked her mom, Have you seen a therapist? You've been through so much. And my mom was like, I don't need a therapist. I'm fine. I'm, I'm dealing with my own things or I know how to do my own things, you know? And her mom made mention of, you know, you're probably on drugs or something like that. And the girl said, Well, probably the drugs that you and my dad were pushing. So obviously she's reiterating these things and I mean, I guess her mom didn't deny it, didn't accept it in none of the above, but they're going back and forth about it. And my mom's like, well, I'm going to work. I'm getting off the phone now because I have to go get ready for work, get your life together, you know, go see a therapist or do whatever you think you need to do, get off the drugs, all of that. And the girl was like, what are you talking about? Like, I smoke weed, which a lot of people do. That's not, you're making it sound like I'm doing heroin or something. I'm not. Like, I only smoke weed, which most people do. It's medicinal, all of that. Anyway, the confession doesn't end nicely, and that was that. Unfortunately, um, December 27th, I didn't follow the story, you know, forever, right? Kind of followed a bit and kind of died off. She was still, you know, maintaining what she was saying. When NSAs and everything happened, she was very, very vital. She organized, you know, a march in the Bay Area in California, posted a lot about it, you know, everything. Apparently... Around, I think, 26th or so, she posted on social media that she's going to take her life and she was done and she couldn't take this anymore and no one should, you know, family members shouldn't cry her funeral because they obviously don't care, so they shouldn't pretend like they do, all of that. I don't know how seriously people took it. I still haven't been able to find I'm guessing the social media post was taken down. I think it was on Instagram, apparently, or Instagram stories. I wasn't able to see it. But on the 27th, I now see that she had committed suicide. So she actually did that 26, commit suicide, and it was successful, and she died. And I kid you not when I say it broke my heart. Like, I started crying. I haven't seen this girl in decades, right? Apart from social media pictures and stuff. Broke my heart because I'm just like, wow. This was, she's only 26. This was so much for one person, from an abusive dad to a family that's not supportive to... Now getting married to this horrible person, then you're fighting legal battles, you're fighting immigration battles, you're trying to keep a roof over your head. People are making fun of you or calling you names, victim shaming, protecting the accuser. It was just a lot. And when people say suicide, it sounds like it's easy. Just jump off a bridge, just take some pills, just hang us. No, it takes a lot for someone to get to the point where they say, I don't want to live or exist anymore. This is my way out. She must really have been pushed to the wall and just, I don't know. So one of her friends who also went to primary school with her said, hey, I spoke to her last week. She sounded fine. She sounded cool. You know, we're even talking about how she was going to be coming to Nigeria soon and we're going to meet up and, you know, all these plans, which a lot of other people confirmed. So she was going to be going back to Nigeria, which I know she hadn't been to in a while. I don't know. What changed? What triggered her? If she had another argument with one of her family members, if somebody said something to her, if she just, maybe it was Christmas, maybe it was being alone at Christmas with COVID and everything that's going on. Honestly, I don't know, but she just snapped. She gave up. A part of me was praying her. This suicide attempt, I hope it does. You know how people try to kill themselves and it doesn't work or somebody comes in or somebody finds you or they call the police or maybe you take pills and you pass out but you don't die or you're in a coma. She died. I don't know how she did it, and to be honest, I don't want to know, but I, I couldn't sleep that night. I just was awake, and I was just posting and posting and posting, because I'm like, everybody failed her. Her dad failed her. Her mom failed her. Her family members failed her. Society failed her. Nigeria failed her. It's two things, right, which people keep saying, 
well, there's no proof. You don't know if her dad really did it. Okay, for someone to come out and say such horrible, extreme things about their dad, if it's not true, then you really have a serious mental health issue, mental problem or breakdown or disease or issue. What do you need? You need help. You need love from your family. You need support. You need to get into a treatment center. You need to, what, do you see what I mean? If, on the other hand, everything you're saying is true, you also need the same thing. You need love. You need support. You need help. You need treatments. You need, you know. So either way, regardless of which side of the spectrum, whether she was lying or she was saying the truth, she needed help. She needed love. She needed support. But Africans, a lot of times, were fond of tough love. I was like, it's all the cuddling that made you start doing this. And when I was your age, I went... That doesn't matter. That doesn't mean anything. Everybody's different. Everybody's physical, mental, emotional capacity is different. What was the big deal in showing her that love? And I don't care if you've been showing her that love for 26 years and she's still acting out. Show her that love. Show her that care. Go out of your way. Do whatever it takes. This is your child. You give birth to this child, right? So why all of that? Because guess what now? Her mom will probably be crying more than everybody else. Nobody wants to bury their child, not their baby, because she was the last child out of you know, kids that her mom had for as far as I know. Now you're going to be in tears. Now you're going to be in pain. Now you're going to be regretting because this girl was cry for help literally for months, for months, posting. They were telling her, take down the post. Her mom was saying, people are calling me. And the girl was like, is that what you're worried about? You're not worried about what actually happened or getting justice or fixing things. You're more worried about what people will say. Well, we're very aesthetic you know, culture or society, right? It's what people will say, what people will think. Appearances, keeping up appearances. So you can be dying inside. Your husband might have even stabbed you in the stomach, but put on a dress and go out and smile and look cute like everything is fine. We don't believe in asking for help. We don't believe in exposing people because of your family name and what people say about you. You probably won't ever be able to get married and they will look at us like we're freaks or we're this. So, okay, guess what now? Even those who didn't know before, now they know your daughter is dead. They know she killed herself and they know why she killed herself. So whatever rubbish you were trying to hide or bury is now out in the open. So you were afraid of people talking. Now they are talking even more and your daughter is gone. You can never get her back. How do you forgive yourself? How do you go to sleep at night? For the dad, just honestly, this happens all the time, right? The whole pastor thing is kind of new because he wasn't a pastor when we were in school, which he said, like his third wife or whatever opened the church for him. And it's pretty much a money-making thing, not really a spiritual thing. Sounds possible. People do in Nigeria all the time. She said he renamed his third wife after her. So whatever her own name was, he changed her name to Renoir and I guess she accepted it, which is so creepy on every level, especially when you don't have a good relationship with that daughter. Then she also mentioned one of her teachers in primary school. She said she reported the incident to and that one tried to have a conversation with the dad. And next thing you know, she's having a sexual relationship with her dad. Then quit her job and literally started working for her dad and became a full-time mistress till the dad dumped her on ceremony a few years later. So if she's calling specific names, is she lying about that too? Does she just randomly pick up a teacher's name to lie about when she knows that person can, you know, be found out or come out and say yes or no, you know, which I don't know if the woman ever heard the story. I never heard that she came out to rebut and, you know, what the accusations were. You can just imagine she literally has been trying to get help, even from childhood. They probably suppressed everything, went through high school, moved out of the country for college, and probably just obviously going through things and having those memories and then seeing a therapist and really trying to work out what happened to her, why it happened to her, trying to get justice, and it cost her her life. Ended up 
in the arms of an abuser. And a lot of times people who are abused, right, tend to end up with people who abuse them even more. So it just really, oh no, it broke me because wow, 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 wow. And we need to do better as a society, as Africans, as, you know, for an African person to kill themselves, like it's not a joke. We don't take things like that lightly. But for her to feel, maybe she felt, you know what, this is the only way they'll finally hear me. This is the only way I can finally get justice. Maybe this is the only way my dad will eventually be investigated. I don't know. I'm hoping that other people can come out and actually corroborate what she said. Maybe her sisters, friends, whoever these people are that were on these trips. If she's already died, there's no greater price that can be paid. What else are you covering or trying to keep intact? Come out and say, hey, she was saying the truth. This is what happened. If not... This man is going to act like, hey, the fact she killed herself shows she wasn't mentally okay. And that means all the accusations she made against me were coming from a place of she's not mentally okay. And I would hate that. I would hate so much for her story to be buried and for her death to be in vain. So if there are people who know what happened, yes, I know it's not easy. I know you will be exposing yourself personally. But if your sister, your friend, your family member has died for this thing, then I think the least you can do is actually come out and let it be known that this girl was not crazy, you know, and this really is what happened. The dad is getting condolence visits. People are going to visit him because his daughter died. I'm sorry, but that's BS because from all indications, you are the reason she died. His family put out, you know, some notes saying, yes, our daughter died last night. So sad. We love you so much, Renoir. What are, are you guys crazy? She said she tried to speak to one of her uncles about it and everything was just kind of shushed and pushed aside and just take these things down from Facebook, get advice, you're an adult, move on with your life, protect your family name, all of that. And then now you're writing, we love you. She clearly said, do not cry at my funeral because you people do not care about me. And they're doing the exact same thing now. They are milking it, not milking it, but you know, they are getting condolence visits. They are posting, oh my God, we can't believe it. We miss her. We love her, planning a funeral. Like it's also hypocritical to me. I'm sure her dad's family probably doesn't care. For them, it's probably a blessing in disguise because now she can't really expose more or say more or, you know, bring out more things or receipts or have more memories. For her mom, though, like I said, I know she'll be broken. I know she'll feel guilty. I know she'll feel bad, especially because these things are still on the internet and people can go back and listen and say, wow, you people really didn't take this girl serious or tried to shut her up or ignored her or, you know, pushed her to a place where she felt she didn't have any help or anything. And... My takeaway from this, apart from, you know, the rubbish that we do and changing this whole idea of blaming a victim or calling them names or calling their experience into question, right? Why is it so easy for you to say, I don't believe this man will do this, you're lying. It's an attention grab. It's a money grab. Yes, there are people who come out and make false accusations to get money or to get attention. But a lot of times it's true. And this starts from childhood. As a child, when you try to report an older person, Oh, this person did or said this. They just shush you and, no, 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 what do you mean? This person can't do that and that's it. So from a young age, a lot of people learn, if anything happens to me, I can't even see anything because if if anything, I would be the person who gets in trouble. I would get scolded. I would get punished. I would get, you know, attacked or abused or whatever. So we learn from a young age to keep quiet. And that's why a lot of people who have been molested as children, even when they knew something happened to them that wasn't good, couldn't say anything. Oh, it was an uncle. It was a driver. It was some staff or somebody in church or... Well, look at the case here in the United States or in Europe where people come out and say, hey, this person did this to me. This priest touched me. This They investigate and a lot of times it's turned out to be true. So how come in Africa or in Nigeria we can't do the same thing or in the black community? Why can't we do the same thing? Why can't we give people the benefit of the doubt, encourage them? 
Okay, look at what's happened to her now. Why would anybody else come out and tell their own story or name their own accuser or share their own experience when all they're going to get is ridiculed, laughed at and pushed to the edge, you know? So if you're raising sons, please raise your sons. My friend said something earlier this week that really struck a chord. She said, women or girls are raised, like trained, raised, and guys just grow up. People just let their sons do anything, get away with anything, feel that because they're a man, the world revolves around them. There's no repercussions for anything. Don't teach them to be domesticated. Don't teach them to be humble. Don't teach them. I mean, a lot of guys believe if they don't get their weight, there's going to be trouble. That's why they hate women. That's why they rape women. Someone says they don't want to have sex with you. You force yourself on them. Someone says something you don't agree with. You hit them. Just act reckless. Just do whatever. Knowing that society will protect them, especially when they're from a reputable family, when they have a big name, when they have a good career. They really can't just say she's lying. I don't know her. And that's how the situation or the story ends. So if you're raising your sons, please, please, and please raise them to know it's not okay. Don't hate women. Don't force yourself on a woman. No means no. Whether she started something and then the middle, at the point where she says no, it's difficult. It's just no and move on. Save yourself the stress. Respect women. See them the way you see yourself. You're not any better than them because you're a man or because of certain body parts or because that's how you were raised to believe the world revolves around you. I think if we did that, less cases of domestic violence, less cases of rape, and then we can know what evils we are fighting. But this seems to be the same thing over and over and over again because people will not train their sons or teach them the way things are supposed to be. So, super sad. You know, the way her story ended, I was hoping it was something where after all this, she will come out on top and be able to share her story or, you know, maybe write a book or encourage others or, you know, help people use their experiences to empower others. Unfortunately, she just couldn't take it anymore. And, you know, December 26th, literally, what, five days to the end of the year, she didn't make it to 2021. So I pray that, you know, she finally finds peace and finally finds rest. And my bigger prayer is her dad and this idiot that she married really will get what's coming to them especially the dad i really don't want this thing to die off i want him to be so tormented and persecuted not be able to sleep not have any rest literally not be able to function till he actually admits hey i did this and this girl wasn't crazy right if he didn't do it then hey he didn't do it right but if he did I want it to be out. I don't want him to just go and live in like nothing happened and just, you know, her memory just be forgotten. So really, really sad. Really, really, really sad. Um, If you go on social media, like I said, her name is Renu Agiwamo. You can see, you know, the initial write-up that she made about the dad, the videos, you know, the updates, everything till this, her death now. Guys, we've come to the end of another episode the end of season one of Bantam Motivation. Whoop, 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 whoop. Keyword is gratitude, guys. Gratitude leaving 2020, gratitude going into 2021. Where there's life, there's hope, right? So count your blessings. Find your purpose. You know, when you find your purpose and you know what you're supposed to be doing or things that you enjoy doing, not just, you know, I have a job and I go to work and I make money, but things you actually enjoy doing, things that make impact, things that leave a legacy for you, you'll find that it's easier to go through life that way. Make the best of what you have. Nothing is perfect. Some people that you might be looking at like, oh, this person is lucky. They have this and this and this and that. Trust me, there are things that they are also battling or contending with, sometimes even worse than yours. So focus on your own path. Don't compete with others. Oh, everybody else got married. Everybody else has had a child. Everybody else has gotten a job. 
it's no competition. Stay in your own lane, be the best you can be, do the most you can do and be happy with that. When it's your turn, it'll be your turn. Make impact. Don't just go through life, just going through life for the sake of, if you were to drop dead tomorrow, what will people say about you? We will be able to say, oh my God, she was helpful. She was nice. She was kind. She taught me how to do this. It's because of her that I started doing that. What will people say? Or will it just be, oh wow, she was slave mama. Oh wow, he had so much money. And then what? Nothing, right? So make impacts. Be kind to yourself. Everybody has things they wanted to do in 2020 that they didn't. People had, you know, vision boards that they wrote, goals, dreams, aspirations, that unfortunately they were not able to achieve. But you're alive. Literally, you are alive. You are well, you are healed, you are hearty. Don't stress out about it. Don't be mean to yourself. Don't talk down yourself. Be kind to yourself. You don't do it in 2020. Doesn't mean you won't do it in 2021. For all you know, you could even achieve everything you wanted to in the whole 2020, achieve it just in the month of January alone. So please... Focus on being kind to yourself. Focus on the good. Plan for 2021. As cliche as it sounds, when they say, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Have a vision board. Have a set of goals, aspirations that you've written down. Not necessarily because if you don't achieve them, then you're a failure. No, but so you can look back and say, wow, this is what I achieved. This is what I was able to do. It helps you take stock at the end of the year where you can look back and see everything you've done, everything you wanted to do, what you surpassed, what you didn't get quite, you know, get to, what you need to change or adjust and really know, okay, this is how I'm growing, right? It's a metric system. It's like going to school. They give you exams just to kind of track, okay, what are you doing? How are you doing? How much of the material do you know? So you need a metric system in your life as well. Same thing at work. You have performance evaluations and appraisals and things like that, right? So in your personal life, you should also have set goals, not New Year resolutions, actual goals of things you want to achieve, how, why, when, one year goal, three year goal, five year goal, 10 year goal. And then ever so often you look at it and say, hey, I thought I was going to achieve this in five years. I've actually done it in six months. Or hey, I thought this was something I was going to be able to do in one year, but it looks like it's more of a three year plan, right? So I think that's very important. So these last few hours of 2020, take some time apart away from whatever else it is you're doing and actually make those plans, get a vision board, it helps you with accountability and it reminds you to be thankful. Next thing I will talk about is a gratitude jar. That's something that I really want to do more of in 2021. And literally it's a jar where every time something good happens or literally every day, I'll be able to write down things I'm grateful for and put it in that jar. So if it's something I was hoping or wishing or praying for that came to pass, I'll put it in that jar. If it's just I'm well, I'm alive, I'm here, I'm hearty. So are my parents, so are my siblings, so are my friends, so is my husband, so is my put in that jar, put in that jar. So by the end of the year, when you see how full that jar is, you can see, wow, like God really went overboard for me. Like he came through, right? It's easier to see that and recall than to say, oh, what a year, nothing worked out for me. Everything was horrible, worst year ever. Like people are saying worst year ever and you're joining them to say worst year ever. But if you really look at it, you're like, no. For me, right, when I look back, I'm like, wow, I started my podcast, which I've been wanting to start for ages I went through 20 whole episodes. I literally, one of the reasons why I wasn't starting was, what if I don't have something to say? What if I don't have something to say? Then I started and I said, oh, it's only going to be 30 minutes. Guys, I, it has never been 30 minutes because there's always too much to say, right? So 2020 pushed me to do that. I started my nonprofit, Change for Change. 2020 pushed me to do that. So many other things, you know, as well that I was able to achieve or get done. So Putting things in that gratitude jar helps you have perspective, helps you keep track, helps you be grateful, right? 
the more grateful you are, the more things come to you. So, like I said, this is the end of season one. I'm super overjoyed. 20 episodes in six months. Thank you to every single one of you that have listened to all 20 episodes, just one episode, three, four, ten, five, for listening, for supporting, giving me feedback, sharing the podcast. It means the world to me because if nobody was listening, there really would not be any point of me recording. So you guys have inspired me, motivated me to do even more. Like I'm thinking of so many different ideas, so many other things that I can do. So 2021 is full of a lot of plans, a lot of promise, super excited. Like I said before, there will be a break before season two starts. I don't know the exact date yet, but that's why you have to follow the Banter Motivation page on Instagram at B-A-N-T-S-A-N-D-M-O-T-I-V-A-T-I-O-N, Banter Motivation, so you can get updates, you can get alerts, much more, everything that we have in store for you. Please, guys, I'm humble. I'm begging you. It's free. Please join the page so we can grow the BAM fam. Share the podcast with at least three people. They have at least 20 episodes to binge on. It's holiday season. You know, in the new year, they might be looking for a new podcast to get into. Please recommend this podcast. Please rate the podcast. If you rate the podcast five stars, then more likely that people are going to see it. You'll be pushed to the top of the list and what have you. Unfortunately, due to so many reasons that I can't even go into, we have to postpone the Change for Change Christmas drive to give our sanitary pads and other items. Made me really sad. COVID and just logistics and Lagos shutting down, but not really shutting down. Just a whole bunch of other stuff going on. Location, they have some issues there as well. So unfortunately, it has to be postponed. It's not cancelled, just postponed. So it will happen earlier, early, what did I say earlier? Early in 2021. Dates to come, details to follow. And it will happen bigger and better than what we're actually planning for December. So please, still collecting donations. If you haven't donated, please, we do beg you. We need your money. We need you to share with your friends and family. We need their money and their support as well. Be safe, guys. As you celebrate the new year, I don't know if you're going to church. I don't know if you're going to a new year party. If you're hosting a party, taking a small vacation, road trip, however, whatever. Please be safe. Remember to be grateful, take time out before the year ends to be grateful, take stock of everything that has happened, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. You don't know what people are struggling with. You don't know what's going on with them. They might not be sharing, even if they are mean to you, repay their wickedness with kindness. People who are hurting always want to lash out and hurt other people. So sometimes that is actually why they are being so mean or so rude or, you know, whatever it is they are to you. Protect your space, your mental health. Anything that's going to make you fall off the rails, push you to the edge, just step back from it. If there are relationships that you have to put on pause, on hold, boundaries that you have to set, whatever it is, personal time that you need to take, please do that. Your mental health is key. If you have anyone who's struggling with their mental health, don't dismiss them. Don't make fun of them. Be there. Show them love, show them care, show them attention. Just calling people. Just say, hey, how are you doing? What are you doing? How are you? Right? If you were to hear that person died or took their life or passed away suddenly or, you know, there was a fire or something, then you start regretting. I've seen a lot of people post, you know, I wish I had called you when it came to my mind. Oh, I wish I had hung out with you more. Oh, I wish, oh, I wish, but then it's too late. So now where you have the chance, appreciate those around you, appreciate those in your life, show them that love, that care, that support. I wish you guys an amazing, prosperous, celebration-filled 2021. I believe it will be the best year yet not trying to be cliche a lot of celebrations a lot of blessings a lot of 
new things, babies, weddings, new jobs, business opportunities, buying houses, just everything you wish yourself, good health for you, for your family, will all be intact. And I pray that when I come back for season two, every single one of you and all the people you're inviting will be hale and hearty and we will go through an amazing 2021 together. Until next season, bye.